Hi there, this is Pedro. And this is Ivan. And welcome back to... Wow, Red Dot. So now that we're trying to keep our episodes more snappy and quick, we kind of broke up the previous episode into two parts. Uh, we were talking about wild times, the latest happenings in Singapore in terms of wildlife. And if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to our podcast. This is a podcast by two guys who love wildlife and love talking about wildlife in Singapore. So the previous episode uh, for Wild Times, right, we were really talking about like um, how glue traps were affecting um, a lot of animals apart from the target um, intended animal, which is rats. Um, a lot of birds were affected. But today, we all, I want to talk about a very particular type of bird that has been causing a lot of grievances in the past few months. Uh, this is... The house crow. Yeah, so the house crow is... Or you know, colloquially, we just call it the crow because a lot of us don't realise that there are multiple crow species mm-hmm. in Singapore, but never mind, that's for another episode. Yep. Tell me more about the house crow. What is happening? Okay, so basically, I think um, it really made the news back in February. So in, in sometime in, in, in February, you had crows somewhere in Bishan that were swooping down and, and attacking people. Um, and this was apparently quite a crowded public area. So basically, there were a lot of people who were being uh, dive-bombed by crows. There was a lot of distress. Of course, there were a lot of people who were, who were uh, complaining about the potential risk, right? It's a safety hazard. Uh, and, and, you know, you could always... Uh, there's always this fear that, that, uh, about, what, uh, about a crow pecking someone's eyes, right? Or maybe even causing an accident, right? So eventually, what happened was that... Um, there was an uh, there was a culling operation. So basically, the crows in the area were trapped and removed. Uh, and and of, at the same time, there was also a segment of the population in Singapore that was against this culling effort. And so you know, there's this tension between people who 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 do not like crows and want them removed, and people who think that that the crows have every right to be here and. And we shouldn't be calling them at all. When I think the situation is a lot more nuanced. Okay, so I am an animal lover. I love wildlife. And even then, I also recognize that crows don't exactly have a very, uh, how should I say it, high conservation value. Yes, I mean this. Okay, so to give some context, the house crow in Singapore is not a native species. It's introduced. Uh, you might even consider it invasive. Um, it was brought to Singapore, uh, likely by accident, in, in the, sometime in the 20th century. So I, if I'm not wrong, the first records were in the 1940s. And since then, the population has boomed. Uh, they really thrive in our urban spaces, uh, thanks to the, the abundance of food waste and other food sources that they can rely on. So, um, not only do they, uh, not only do large numbers of crows uh, cause problems in terms of uh, possible of of disturbance to people, they um, they can be very defensive. So, one thing that crows in general, corvids in general, are known for is that what are corvids? Corvids are the whole is a whole family of crows and their related uh, crows and their relatives. So you get various various birds in the family called corvidae generally called corvid so you got crows ravens magpies jays 
rooks, jackdaws, and, and, and a whole long list of other birds. So all those black birds. Like, well, some of them are actually pretty colourful, right? Some oh. of them are very attractive, very colourful birds, but unfortunately, well, for better or for worse, those are not native to Singapore, <laughs> right? But when we talk about corvid in Singapore, there is one species that we always talk about, which is the house crow. We have the large-built crow, which is native, but it is a much more... Uh, uncommon species is only usually only found in the forested areas. You will almost never hear about it um, showing up in urban spaces of Singapore. So for the most part, what we normally see are house crows. They are everywhere in Singapore, usually uh, in places where there's an abundance of food. So hawker centers, public spaces, our parks, our coffee shops, uh, they, they do very well with people. In fact, you could argue that they do very well because of people. So let's circle back, right? Yeah. They do very well because of us, people. Yes. Why are they attacking us? Well, because COVID in general, right, like or crows, they are very defensive of their young. So when they have a nest, what they will do is that they will, they will patrol this area. If there's any larger creature in the vicinity, whether it's a human being, or a cat, or a dog, or even a larger bird of prey, what you often see is the adult crows will be mobbing and, and, and harassing the larger animal. Right? So sometimes what, what people often see is that you will get a bird of prey, like an eagle or a hawk, or an owl just perching somewhere in the tree, just minding own, own business. And suddenly, you got get this large flock of crows all flying around, cawing at this bird of prey harassing it, maybe even pulling on the tail feathers, pecking at it from behind. It's, it's, a, it's a defensive strategy to, to harass this potential threat and to drive it away from the, from the area. It's called mobbing and it's something that you will see in many, cre- in many animal species. But crows are exceptionally uh, notable for, for this. And it does to human beings as well. And so uh, crows being such highly intelligent birds, they will often see uh, human beings as a threat when they when the nest it when it, when they're nesting. If let's say sometimes you get a case where a chick has fallen out of the nest or there's a fledgling, it's still learning to fly, it's dropped onto the ground. The human beings in the in the vicinity might not realize that there's a baby crow in the area, but the parents will do everything they can to chase away any animal that they think is a threat to the baby. So you're telling me that is. Not confirmed, but it's very probable that all these crow attacks that we have been seeing at Bishan Amokyo, uh, is it Bishan Amokyo or Bishan? Bishan? Just Bishan, right? Uh, Bishan Street 12. Oh, at Bishan Street 12 could be caused by anxious parents. Yes. Yeah, so basically, you know, it's it's easy to hate on crows for various reasons. Uh, and yes, I mean, they are not, not a native species. Mm in Singapore and there are a lot of arguments as to whether they are having impacts on other animal species in Singapore, other native wildlife. But at the same time you have to respect their resilience, their adaptability, uh their intelligence and their commitment to parenting. Right. And right. and I mean you were mentioning about the culling culling, right? Yeah. What's the scale of culling that we're looking at? Okay, so previously in the past I think we um what we what we ha- often saw would uh you would have people coming up in a van with shotguns and right sorry with rifles and they'll be shooting crows out of the sky and and that that definitely worked but at the same time um 
at the same time, you also have issues of access to food. So without accessing, uh, without controlling uh, things like food waste disposal, uh, whether you leave uh, food waste out in the open or feeding or even direct feeding of, of crows and other birds, you can shoot as many crows as you want. But as long as you have uh, abundant food sources for them, they're just going to keep uh, reproducing and multiplying, right? So yes, culling, whether it's through shooting or trapping with nets or like, like what has been done here and nets removal is uh, are, uh, one strategy to tackle uh, human and crow conflicts. But on the other hand, uh, like Akers has mentioned uh, in one of their articles, in, in one when they were in one of the Chinese Asia articles uh, in response to this crow culling, they have said that one important uh, measure is to look food sources right because because um like i mentioned you have you cannot keep culling crows without tackling the availability of food in the first place so you know um i mean acres is trying to speak up for wildlife of all sorts whether they are native or non-native which mm. is which I can respect that commitment. It's really it's a really admirable yeah, cause. That stands. I mean, yes, it's easy like I mentioned, it's easy to hate on unpopular species. But you could say that to them whether uh for for acres, whether they're native or non native wildlife, they all uh they all matter. Yeah. Nice. So I mean it seems that each time we talk about pest control or like population management um, is not the it's, it seems that the root cause of it has always been access to food mm-hmm. so if we don't control our food how we keep our food how we dispose of our food waste this issue of population um, would always of overpopulation will always be there yes exactly I mean it, we see the same issue with pigeons right pigeons are another bird that in Singapore that Number one, they're not native, and number two, they cause disturbance and distress to a lot of residents. And number three, uh, they are also caught sometimes quite aggressively, but without tackling things like feeding of pigeons and and uh, provision of food, whether through direct feeding, deliberate feeding, or indirect feeding, like when they are able to to eat eat uh, exposed uh, garbage and food waste, you can count however many you want. But the problem is never ending, right? It's the same. It's, a, it's the same issue once again. Wow. So I do think that yes, that might be a uh, culling can be one strategy to tackle uh, this so-called pest birds, especially when you can say that they have very low or no conservation value, especially in Singapore. But at the same time, we also do need to look into other measures to tackle this this problem because we can't keep throwing money in the problem in terms of uh of killing again and again and again without uh we without trying to look at preventative measures mm, that could right. also be just as effective if not more so so what do you think these measures would be i mean number one would be pre- better waste management right so once you have once you have less food out in the open, the other situation is that you will have fewer, uh, you will have less food available for these birds, 
and so as a result, their their populations were eventually declined because they are they are not eating as as well, and they are they are not uh, reproducing at at such a high rate. So that's number one thing, right? Of course, in places where there is deliberate feeding, we do need to look into enforcement, right? Making clamping down on these practices because, as you see in so many cases, uh, people might think they are doing an act of kindness to animals, but feeding wild animals, uh, usually leads to human wildlife conflict, and it usually ends very badly for the animals involved. Which is not their fault; they're just taking advantage of human behavior. Yep. Right, but you know, it's the humans that we do need to control and manage better rather than the animals in, in these situations. So, uh, I do think that these are the two main issues. There have been some strategies to look at ways to to provide the birds with some form of contraceptives and all that, but I think those are still quite experimental, and I'm not too sure whether those can be scaled up to really deal with 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 uh, larger populations. And you know, like what you said, all these things are more of knee-jerk mitigations rather than going to the holistic root cause. Yeah. So, as with the rats that we previously talked about, as with maybe even wild boar, mm-hmm. maybe the solution, the long-term solution is really holistically us learning how to work with these animals, live with these animals in our green spaces. Yes, definitely. It's, it's all about trying to find a, an easy balance. Yes, there will be a lot of ups and downs along the way, and and I think it's very easy for people to say, oh, let's kill them all, that kind of thing. But at the same time, I don't think anybody who is actually involved in this line of work is in it to kill animals. Yeah, that's true. And I think people who often say that don't really mean it. Yeah. They often probably just mean it's a sweeping statement because of annoyance, because of frustration. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I really do believe that deep down, none of us actually wake up every morning wanting to kill animals and kill wildlife. Yes, exactly. And I think that's why it's such an an exciting time to be in Singapore because we are really seeing rewilding in the process. Mm -hmm. We're seeing animals, wild animals, um, come, like, kind of spring back into, like, I would say even, like, blooming in, in, in certain areas. So, it would be nice to see how we can navigate this in the future. Yes, it is. Could it be very contentious? Uh... Hopefully, we are both in it for the long haul. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, we shall see. Yeah. And I think on that note, uh, let's wrap up this episode of Wild Times. So, thank you for listening. I think it's been a fun uh, few episodes that we recorded at once. And once again, I'm Pedro. And I'm Ivan. And this is Wild Red Dot.